Hello, hello. Welcome, Anne. Welcome back to the United Mates Football Podcast. I'm joined as usual by my co-host, Joe. And pretty much as always, there's a special guest on today's show too, who Joe will be, in fact, introducing in just a moment. Uh, Joe, on the day of recording, currently uh, your team Tottenham, just a little bit earlier today, snatched a victory against a winless West Bromwich Albion side. What did you make of that game? Hello, Kaitel. Um I can't say it was the most enjoyable game <laughs> that I've watched, but it was an incredibly important win. And for a brief moment, we were actually top of the league. But of course, our old foes, Leicester, kind of put pay to that. Um, but no, it was you know a great result and just happy we um, we got the three points. Um, but today's guest has um, most likely been very impressed when watching his side in more or less, say, every game they've played over the last year. So, yeah, a big welcome um, to the podcast to Tim Richards. Um, Tim is a, a fanatical Bayern Munich fan, um, and it's something he talks about often, either through his Twitter account, Bavarian Tweets, or um, you can listen to him directly on the Super Bayern Pod 2. And that's not enough for Tim, though. He also writes about the beautiful game on his own blog, It's About Football This Time. Tim, how are you? I'm, I'm very good, thank you. Thank you so much for that quite effusive introduction. Uh, it's very, it very kind of you. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's great to be here. Because um, like, I, I think uh, you, you wrote to me like a, a few months ago, kind of like when you started this podcast, saying like, oh, would you like, do you mind having a listen? And as soon as I listened to it, I was like, oh, this is, this is exactly what I've wanted. I wanted people like me just having a chat about kind of like the, the nothing aspect of football. Like everybody's talking about like the tactics and like the intricacies and like the controversy and the drama. It's just nice to have, not to like debase your podcast into like talking about nothing. Um, like I'm a, I'm a big Seinfeld fan. So it's nice to have like that aspect of football explore just like the the little just the little things um so I'm, I'm absolutely delighted to be here oh well we're um we're, we're delighted you're here too and you know we'd we'd love to be football's answer to Seinfeld that's something I think <laughs> we'd, um, we'd very much take <laughs> at the United Mates podcast but now um now it's time for a little icebreaker question that we normally do and actually in this case it's quite a literal icebreaker um and we noticed on your um cover photo Tim that you have a strong mince banner so um, we thought we'd talk about, well, you can probably go into it a bit, but we talk about our favourite mint-related products. So um, I'd say my favourite mint-related product would have to be after eights, which I always get after going, well, having a curry at an Indian restaurant. So, um, Seb, what is your favourite mint-flavoured item? And also, why do you have a strong mint cover photo? Fantastic. Um, I was not expecting, I actually have, I have one in oh, right wow. now. Um, oh, amazing. I, I, I'm not even, I'm not even being sponsored. Maybe that's something that collectively we can, we can work towards. Yeah. We need um, to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I've, I've had these regularly for years. Um, <laughs> like they're, am I allowed to say like the name, like yeah. the, the brand? Yeah, name? go for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they're from Marks and Spencer and they are curiously strong mints. And that's probably the best way to describe them. They're kind of strong, but they're not strong enough to be like, whoa, that's too much. They're enough to be like, okay. <laughs> like it's, it kind of like piques your curiosity. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far as to say, when, when I asked like yesterday, oh, do you want me to prepare anything? I was kind of expecting like, oh, stories from games that I've been to. I was not expecting any form of discussion about mints. This is wonderful. I'd like to keep you on your toes. Yeah, very much so. Um, this is probably the most I've ever thought or spoken about 
mints in general. So this is this is wonderful. Um, I'm a really big fan of the uh, the lint the Lindor truffles. They they do a mint version of those. Those are incredible. They're like after eights, but I guess with milk chocolate. Um, but no, after I'm not going to begrudge anybody that suggests after eights are, are good, especially after a curry. Not bad. Not a bad shout. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's certainly a bit of a tradition, I think. But um, but Kai, what what would you say are your favourite mint related products? Um, I think we, we clearly are all on a similar wavelength with the chocolate mint combo. Um, cause over here in the States where I'm, where I'm based is, uh, the Girl Scouts, they make the Girl Scout cookies and it is, it's what it sounds like. It's the Girl Scouts, just how you'd have the Boy Scouts. They do their camping. They do a lot of charity stuff. And for part of the charity, they sell these cookies and thin mints in particular are one of the most popular ones. And that's like a, a chocolate and mint cookie. It's delicious. I put them in the freezer. That's like a bit of a hack over here that Americans like. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll go for thin mints, but I guess I have enjoyed this conversation about, about mint, but let's, I guess, yeah, move on to, um, to a bit more football. And what we're going to do is, uh, no, let's keep talking about mints. (laughs) (laughs) This is, this is the mint episode guys. Um, uh, on this game note, we're going to, we're going to jump into something we've, we've done a few times before on the pod called, uh, it's a game called pick that one out. Um, and so essentially Tim and Joe, and if you're listening along, play as well uh you're going to be guessing which memorable memorable goal is being described in each of the original commentaries that i have for you um today i have to say that while sadly uh he can't be on the call with us an old friend of the show and radio rochdale dj adam sparrow has actually personally provided the original commentaries for today and so uh each of these goals considering that tim is our guest are going to be related to Bayern munich in one way or another some of them more closely some of them quite loosely uh, so yeah, like I said, play it along if you're listening. Here we go. Take it away, Adam Sparrow. Here is the first of the original commentaries. As we approach the prospect of penalties here, the ball is swung into the box from the left-hand side. The defender's done a sort of kung fu kick clearance, but like a closeted cocaine addict, it's more up than out. And now the opposition's attacker has won the aerial duel for the second ball. There, he's released his fellow forward who snuck in behind the sleeping defender, and he's buried it. was too good to be true i hope you could hear that reasonably if you have questions ask as many as you need to like i said it's related to Bayern munich this one very tangentially god tim do you have any any idea i've got no i've got absolutely no clue anytime you guys do like a quiz or like a <laughs> i guess it's closer to an exam at this point because <laughs> it's just, it's just so much harder like every single time i've listened i'm like okay now i'm gonna get one never you're gonna get there today you're gonna you're gonna do it um we we might have to yeah a little little help along the way but go go on joe so you said it was sort of more loosely linked to Bayern this one yeah this is i'll say a player who at one point in his career played for Bayern, and it's a goal for his national side so Bayern aren't playing in this match okay and there's something about it's about to go to penalty shootout was it yeah it's extra time a clearance looped up in the air Second ball won by the attacking team, and then their forwards in behind, and he he scores. I, I don't know if you could hear at the end, but Adam Sparrow was very disappointed. He he wasn't too. You he, he, he try to stay neutral as a commentator, but he had a hard time. He he was uh, unhappy with the goal. Where um, where is Adam Sparrow from? He's an Englishman, a proud Rochdale resident. Come on, Rochdale at the World Cup? Probably not. Um, England. Someone scored against England just before. 
I'll say it was, it was, was this in a World Cup. This was definitely in a World Cup. It was nearly in a World Cup final. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's so. It's, I um, think Tim's got it from the look I think, on Tim's I think face. We've, I think we've both got this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tim, why don't you um, you you go for it, Tim? Was this Mario Mandzukic for Croatia? It is indeed. It is Fantastic. indeed Mario Mandzukic. Like I said, this is probably the least that guy. directly Bayern related one. I've got two. <laughs> no, more, he's though, right? he is like he is like a cult favorite for a lot of Bayern fans. I like the guy a lot. He's not the most like pretty footballer to watch, but he puts in a shift and he is. Yeah, you, you need that sometimes, though. Yeah, he did a did an absolute job for Croatia in that World Cup. Let's let's move on to the next one that Adam has prepared for us. So here we go. Corner kick on the left, not taken quickly, mind you. But now that it has been, it's floated towards the edge of the area where the winger is going to laser one into the bottom corner on the volley. Now, I should probably go on a bit more about that goal, and you can call me a Sour Soonis, you can call me a Killjoy Keen, but at the end of the day, if there's a man on the front post, that doesn't go in. Joe, you look like you might know already what this goal is. I, I think I know what it is, yeah. Tim, do you have any ideas? I've, I've got a guess, but Joe, if you want to take this one. Yeah, I'll just check before I guess. It, it was scored by a Bayern player in a match involving Bayern Munich. This one is the only one of the three that actually yeah. is a Bayern player scoring the goal at the time, yeah. Okay, is it um, Iron Robin versus Manchester United? Yeah, what a like interesting <laughs> volley that was, like right into the what bottom corner. You don't see it too often. I think Pass van der Sar was in goal at the time, his uh, his fellow countryman, so probably made it even even sweeter for Robin. Um, but very, yeah, I think very they... nearly clipped Mario Gomez's calf as well. I would have been <laughs> furious if it did. <laughs> yeah, That's the, really... that would have been a typical Mario Gomez goal. Mm. Um, not not looking not involved in any way shape or form somehow goes in what was the story of that night tim because i think at the time when that goal went in that made it three two but you were still losing so that made it two three to to byron but you ended up yeah, going through so right so it was an aggregate we, we did so this was the 2009 2010 champions league and this was the quarter final i want to say against man united uh so in the home leg Bayern 1-2-1. It was a goal right at the end by another Croatian, um, Ivica Olic, um, where Mario Gomez kind of picked the ball up and just kept running um, and then played it into the box and Olic kind of like took advantage of the fact that people weren't really paying attention. There's like really iconic Bayern commentary of um, the German commentators just going, Olic, Olic, Olic. It's kind of, it's, it's not necessarily like our Aguero, but it's it's like that sort. It's quite iconic, and so like last minute, uh, last minute win it was fantastic. And then like the week after, there was a lot of debate as to whether or not Rooney was going to play or not because he so he picked up an injury, having like when Gomez tried to pick the ball up from him on halfway, and so I was thinking, okay, like if, if Rooney plays, this might not go the right way. If he doesn't, it's, it's still going to be okay. Because this is when Rooney was like right at the top, and after about half an hour, I think Bayern were losing 3-0. And then Olic got a goal back, like, just before half time, like, this impossible angle. I remember Nani actually scored twice. One of them was, like, a back heel. I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> but it was it was just so perfect to see, like, so Ribéry took the corner, and then, and then it went for another corner, and then Ribéry took it again. And you can kind of see him, like, indicate this is going to be coming this way. And you can see Robin like wave his finger to be like, I'll, I'll take this. It's in the air for what seems like an hour and it falls and he, it just 
goes through the defense like through the box and into the corner and he's like running he does like seven different celebrations at the start and he turns around and just looks completely still and I thought it's offside it's been disallowed <laughs> oh no but no he's just he finally settled on he got all of the celebrations out of his system it was a good day it's a very 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 good day yeah no when United lose I think Joe's a Spurs fan I'm an Arsenal fan so it was a good day for us as well um, and yet you can put your differences aside this is so wonderful to see yeah the United So let's move on to this last one that Adam Sparrow has so graciously prepared for us. And again, like I said, Bayern involvement. Here we go. They're knocking the ball around nicely here. Ticky tacker, ticky tacker. But now they break the line and the star man has it. He's one on one with the defender. He tries to face him up. He brings the ball in. He brings the ball out. Oh no. If you're in the vicinity of that, you would have needed a hard hat to protect yourself from the falling object. And now he scooped it over the onrushing keeper. Goal! Somebody bring that defender a cardboard box and his belongings and call him a cab because he's just had his career ended. All right. <laughs> um, what do you think, Adam? What goal was he describing? Joe, do you want to take this one? Well, I'll ask a question. Is it a goal scored against Bayern Munich? Yeah, like I said, not all of them are so fun, yeah. like the Robin goal. Okay. And was it... Um, have we discussed this goal on a, a previous Bundesliga-related episode? I'm... I actually am not 100%. No, you know what? Maybe John might have... Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, okay. I'm not sure. That, that, that throws a spanner in the works. I couldn't imagine. <laughs> um, <laughs> wait, was it, was it scored by Wolfsburg, this goal? No, okay, no. Oh, okay, I was for some no. reason I was thinking maybe it was that um, graffiti. graffiti. Goal. No, no, oh, that, was a, that was a dark day for Bayern. That goal. Yeah, that was a massacre um, mm -hmm. by Wolfsburg. Um, but I think Tim, from the sounds of things, even though he doesn't want to talk about it, he he might have the answer. Yeah, I th is that uh, Messi's? Is it is the second goal? Is either the first or second goal? Obviously, um, against against Bayern in the twenty fifteen quarterfinals. Where he, one where he, yeah, go on. You're about to yeah, say it. it's no. We we all know. We we don't need to. We don't need to. Like, <laughs> like the details are always so vulgar. Um, like we all we all know what's going on. Um, yeah, that was that was such a shame because like in that season and also the one after, Jerome Boateng was phenomenal, and like and continued to play at like a very high level. But people always like pick that out to be like, yeah, but Messi tripped you over. It's like, yeah, but he also shut out Messi in the World Cup final and then was fairly integral in a team that beat him 8-2 like a few weeks ago. So it kind of like balances out. <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was not fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, for the Bayern fan, no. For the neutral, I think it's one of those in the age that we live in where, you know, Instagram, uh, they're going to have these little like little reels and little clips and compilations and whatever. That's something I've seen probably hundreds of times since it happened. Yeah, it's kind of it's up there with like there's a Dan headbutt. Like it's yeah. just a very easy thing to to meme, I guess. It is memeable. That's it's very much important so. these days. Um, mm. Joe, <laughs> I don't know how memeable we are, but nonetheless, I'll pass things over to you. Nice. Um, so we do have some questions for Tim now. So Tim, as we have obviously mentioned a few times throughout the podcast, you are a huge Bayern fan, but of course you do reside in the UK. So it would be great if you could kind of tell us your story behind your decision to support Bayern Munich. Yeah, what my what my excuse is. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
so I, I've spoken about this uh, a little bit before because it is a very strange thing. So as as you mentioned, I live in like south of London. Um, like I live, I don't, I don't need to say where I live, um, but I'm, I'm in that, I'm not in Germany. That's probably the best way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when my dad was was much younger, um, when he was about 10, his his dad uh, used to take him to Stamford Bridge. So his dad was a massive Chelsea fan. And my dad was always more into cricket, um, but it was just a matter of my dad's like nine or 10. So he can't really be left alone or like sent on a train down to Tunbridge Wells to watch Kent play. <laughs> so he would go to Stamford Bridge. And then one day it was like, I don't really care about this team at all. It was the, it was actually the day that, um, it was when Chelsea lost to Spurs in the 1967 FA Cup final. So my dad was 10 and just thought, it's not for me. I really, I really don't have any, I don't have any affinity to this club. But then back then, and also still today, you kind of have to have a team. Um, like if only for just something to talk about at break at school or, or whatever. And so my dad said, okay, well, like it's not Chelsea. I'll find something else. And that will just like, that's just, that'll tick the box that would be fine and the game that he watched was uh buying against glasgow rangers in the european cup winners cup final and my dad was like yeah sure I'll, uh, that's that's my team i'll, I'll just hold on to that and buying won. Uh, they won one nil and so my dad got to watch his favorite team that he's been a lifelong supporter of for the past half hour win <laughs> um and the match went to extra time so he got to stay up late because like being a 10 year old kid that's that's a big deal and he was like yeah sure i'm i'm a fan of what is it bayern munich great cool just for like admin purposes more than anything then a few years later it's in the world cup that he realized that like six of the 11 players for west germany were bayern fan uh, were bayern players and so he thought hold on a second because obviously this is before like Wikipedia, this is before, and my dad wasn't very good at geography at school anyway. And so he kind of realized, I've been supporting a German team all this time, completely oblivious to the fact that they were never on like match of the day or or anything. Because again, like it's before Sky, it's before BT, it wasn't as accessible as it is now. And so he realized, oh, I've been supporting a German team well, I've come this far, I'm, I might as well just carry on. And like, they clearly seem to be winning, like I might as well. And uh, yeah, so they, that, that happened. And he was like, yeah, that's, that's my team. Three European cups in a row. And he was like, yep, yeah, great. Sign me up. I'm clearly onto a winning formula here. And then I came along in, uh, in 1993, which may be hard to believe considering I look about 12, um, but I am legitimately 27 years old. And so like, I, I came along and my dad was like, he'll be a Bayern fan. And by some stroke of magic, I actually was, uh, which was uh, very fortunate. And so like, as, as I grew up, I was like, I had like a tiny like Bayern shirt when I was like six. And then one day we went, uh, we went to Munich and, and the first game I ever saw was against Ulm, who are like in like the ninth division now, I think like they just, they just don't really matter. But like I'll, I'll always hold a soft spot for them because it was such an important time, and those goals from like Carsten Janker, who I think you guys have mentioned like once or twice before, and I was like, oh yeah, great representation for this guy. This is wonderful, and I I was like, yeah, this is it. I am a Bayern fan, 
and then we we applied for season tickets I think like the year after and sure enough that's what we've been doing less so this year like this season it's been slightly difficult to get there um but like we've we've tried to go like as as often as we can do and we've seen guys like Lahm, Schweinsteiger, Neuer, Müller, like Robin and then like even even further back guys like Mikhail Balak when he was at his prime and Mehmet Scholl and Oliver Kahn and it's it's truly wonderful and at the like the privilege of being able, of being in that position where I can well the privilege of like supporting a great club that's that's phenomenal um because it is like a familial thing like it's I'm not just like oh they won the treble in 2013 yeah that'll do that's that's something my dad did like I'm I'm just following his footsteps um but also like the privilege of being able to go so regularly so at one point we were going for like every single home game when I went to university it got a bit harder um strangely I went to university much closer to the airport but just for like logistics wise it seemed sensible to focus on my education um but yeah it's it's something that we've we've done and because like because he works like ridiculous hours during the week the weekend was like the time that we got to hang out and so it's it's great it's uh it's a fantastic thing that's like it's never lost on me how strange it is well no it's um it's a great story you've told us there and no, it's nice um nice to hear um the, the origin of um this this buying um supporting fairy tale you've um been on I guess since since birth by the sounds of it but um briefly let's just talk about obviously you run you, you you've got your own football blog you you You've, you own the Bavarian Tweets, which is a quite a popular Bayern fan account. And then you, you're on the podcast as well on the Super Bayern pod. Just, yeah, briefly, um, what is the best thing about each of those separate things? And is there one in particular you enjoy the most? I kind of, I, I, I guess, because I've, I've already mentioned Seinfeld. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of relate it to that. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld was asked what his favourite episode was of, of the show. And he said, they're, they're all like individual breaths of air. Like, I, I don't have a favourite I think all of them pose such great opportunities for for like me as as a fan but also somebody that's trying to become like a writer or a, a pundit or, or whatever you want to call it so the um Bavarian Tweets was the thing that uh, is is co-run by uh, me and and a good friend of mine Asim and we also have like other contributors so we kind of deal with like the strategy the strategy uh, side of things like okay should we run like a paid campaign and try and attract other followers that way or like should we like up our video content like what should we do and like that that's really fun um to kind of like have just to like have a product that you can mold in like whatever way you want to and like point it in in whatever direction that that's fantastic and obviously like the platform that we have we've got like I think like 23 24,000 followers and so it's really nice to to see like so many people engage with the things that you say. I know that numbers aren't everything, but when when you can see that, you know, you put out a tweet and it like regularly gets like 50 odd likes or like a hundred retweets or, or whatever, it is it's nice. It's like, yeah, we're all part of this community and, and everybody loves what I say, which it's it's great. It's a horrendous ego trip, but it's that's that's fantastic. The podcast is great because for as like an an English Bayern fan it isn't often that I can like have conversations in English about the club and so it's it for like for ages all all the people that I was at school with supported United, Arsenal, less so Spurs but like all of like not like 
like put a downer on Spurs or anything. Um, but like it was, it wasn't. I didn't have any other like Bayern fans as mates, and so to have the opportunity to like regularly have like in-depth discussions about like what Hansi Flick's doing, like is Alaba best in the middle of defence? Like what what's he up to? It's just a really nice thing uh, to be a part of to like have that regular conversation. And then also put that out and have people say, yeah, I completely agree. Or like, oh, I'm not really sure I, I agree. When people disagree, they're less polite. Um, but I think that's that's just the case with everything. Um, like that, that's great as well. Um, with in terms of my own my own blogs, as you mentioned, I have a website, IAFTT.com, and I'm also like starting doing videos. I'd studied film production for too long. Uh, I, I, I did it at university because I wanted to be as unemployable as humanly possible when I left. And, uh, and like, I'm, I'm looking at my degree right now, just like looking down at me, just like, you should have done something better. But it's nice to like have all of those skills of like video editing and, and like kind of like very light level sound mixing and things like that. It's so great to have that and know I am putting it to use. Like this isn't 60 grand worth of like wasted potential. Like, don't get me wrong, it is. But it's nice to have like a bit of it say like, yeah, I can edit videos and, and put that up. And I don't have to be like as eloquent as I do if I'm if I'm writing something. Obviously, I love writing, but it's nice to just kind of like sit down and say, hey, this is what I think is going on. Kind of it's similar to the podcast. Yeah, it's um, I think words written on a page, you know, do one thing and then sort of the, the emotive uh, capabilities of you know, showing your face, having a tone of voice, whatever it is, it's definitely two different mediums and we enjoyed the podcasting. And I think you have so much diverse content. We're probably going to be looking into maybe some, some blogging, some writing too. So we'll see, see how that goes. And we try our hand. I've got one last question for you about supporting Bayern before we kind of get onto more in-depth kind of analyzing the team. Um, but before I do, I guess I'll just, um, as we've been talking about Seinfeld a bit, I'll just tell a quick story, which is in a past life, when I worked at an ice cream shop, I got to scoop ice cream for uh, Jason Alexander, who, of course, plays oh, fantastic. George from Seinfeld. And I was just starstruck the whole time. I wanted to, like, ask him so many questions and instead of just did the customer service thing of, like, here you go. Thanks. Have a nice day. <laughs> but um, that was that was a lot of fun. So on to that question that I had, uh, Tim. So you mentioned your dad kind of noticed this successful German team and uh, tagged along and you sort of have been in it for the long haul. Um, nonetheless, you've just been winning forever and ever, it feels like. Um, how great is it to support a team that has such you know, high standards and expectations and usually manages to meet them? And then also, how hard is it to remain entertained when your team just wins all the time? Yeah, no, that's, that is a fantastic question. It's something that I had kind of like, I don't want to say battled because that makes it sound way more deep than it actually is. But it's something that I've certainly been thinking a lot about since this like period of well, essentially global dominance that they've been going on over the past like seven, seven or eight months or so. In terms of like how easy it is to support, it's, it's fantastic because I, I always want to see, I, I always want to see my team win. And but beyond that, I love to see really, really good football. And the fact that Bayern are able to play really good football and win, it's it's like the perfect marriage. But it's now, it's kind of become like a case of looking at the opposition. And when I see teams that aren't afraid to sit back 
and actually take the fight to Bayern, it's incredible because you get results like Hoffenheim where they beat Bayern 4-1, 4-2, I think, earlier this season. And you're like, yeah, good for them. It's it's great. It kind of re- like relieves any sense of like animosity you have to other teams. Like, don't get me wrong, I hate Chelsea and I really don't like Man United. But it's it's nice to know that like you don't have that anxiety of like, oh, this could go horribly wrong. Like this is just gonna this is gonna end so badly. You kind of it's supposed to be like a really nice like stress buster, I think, which is again like a horrendously privileged position to be in. Like, oh, I, I, I don't want any stress. I'm going to go watch my team win 8-2. Like, it's, it's nice. It is a nice feeling. Um, but then with that, the, the expectations of, like, everybody that supports it is, just, is like, way up there. Like, it's, it's so high. And, like, any deviation from that ridiculous level is simply not good enough. So somebody like... I, I guess like the best person to talk to, to talk about this is probably Jerome Boateng, who's somebody that has for such a long time been so reliable. And like, as, as I said, like at one point, one of the best defenders in the world, he was performing at such a level. And then as soon as he got injured and like had like a couple of bad games, they were like, he's not good enough. Like, he's just simply not good enough. I'm like, but okay, I get that. But also no, like he is, clearly valuable and brings he brings something to the defense he brings something to the team as a whole i think everybody kind of wants everybody to put in performances like you know robert Lewandowski scoring five goals in nine minutes alfonso davies against chelsea or um or like nabry against against spurs i, I didn't want to bring that up on purpose um it's but so, like so. yeah i, I think like everybody kind of needs that um but ultimately, these guys are, they're professional athletes, but they're also human beings as well. People aren't always going to have the best day of their life on the pitch. And then bizarrely, you get guys like Joshua Kimmich and Manuel Neuer who do like, every single day. And that kind of makes it all okay. Yeah, I can't well, actually remember what the second question you were. Was, was that like the difficulties of... Well, I guess sort of like what keeps it fresh but you did sort of explain that in the sense of like um when you know teams not just accepting defeat and sort of giving you a battle and every now and then having the rug pulled from underneath you is a bit of a bit of a refreshener it sounds like um but uh moving on to still Bayern we had a game yesterday obviously that you enjoyed uh the Der Klassiker ended 3-2 at Dortmund's stadium so even more impressive um and probably could have been a wider margin of victory had that Lewandowski goal not been probably incorrectly ruled out for offside in the first half, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a pretty solid uh, performance from, from Bayern. I guess, again, sort of by the time we release this podcast, it, it's not going to be old news, but the game won't have happened yesterday. So I guess we, we won't dwell on it for too long. But what did you make of that win? And what sort of uh, perspective does that give you with regards to the rest of the season in the Bundesliga, at least, are you going to sweep it? I think that the the Bayern Dortmund game, I I, sh- I probably need to do a service to like the the diehard Bayern fans. Basically, the whole like Der Klassica thing was it was kind of born as like a marketing gimmick when like uh, when Klopp started to win a few more games at Dortmund. I I, I think 
So like if if anybody ever says like their classica on Reddit, there's just this huge swarms being like, no, 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 we're not doing that. No, no, no. This is it's like that and is it uh, and the man shafts, like it's just things that are just like, oh, this is uh, if you're if you're a real fan, you wouldn't you wouldn't do that. I personally don't care. Call it what you want. It's a football game. Like it's really not the end of the world if you call it that or you call it Bayern Dortmund or or whatever. Um in terms of how that game went, it's kind of very emblematic of a lot of the things that have been going on for Bayern over the past few weeks where you can see that this team can win by a lot but they are also not strictly impenetrable I think having Boateng and Alaba in the center of defense it worked a little bit in Europe but even then like it was kind of exploited at times David Alaba is not a center back and he is at this point definitely not a 200,000 euro a week centre-back, which is, I believe, what he's asking for. Um, and, and Jerome Boateng isn't good enough to, to start these games. Um, but it, it, it can work, but it has to work perfectly because like any, any slight slip-up. Um, but that's kind of... There's, like, there's problems in defence. Defence has been our weakest point for, for quite a while. We're missing uh, Benjamin Pavard. He's injured, I think. I think he's got a problem with his thigh. Nicolas Sula contracted coronavirus and then didn't have it, but was still in quarantine. Uh, so he missed that game. Um, like our, our defense is odd at the moment. Like we're missing, like for this game in particular, we're missing Sula, Alfonso Davis obviously out until I think next next year and Benjamin Pavard. Um, it's it's a shame that, it's not a shame because we, we got away with it. I think if anything, it shows that even with like a weakened backline and missing Kimmich for about an hour. I think he went off after about like 30, 35 minutes. Even without that stability in midfield, we can still get a victory. And I think like as as I mentioned, like you can see teams show up against Bayern and like really, really take the fights to them. And what that means is that you get Bayern kind of like grinding out results at times. Like it, so it was three to yesterday, could have been five one, could have been five nil, could have been three all, could it, like Dortmund could have won it. Like it's it was a very even game, um, but I think in moments like that, the ability to grind it out and still get the victory, and like hold on to it, I think it, it's a it's a very positive sign for the future and for the rest of this season. Yeah, I wasn't actually aware how depleted your defensive ranks were for for one reason or another. Um, Sula is an interesting one. He kind of he's kind of to me almost like the German Harry Maguire. He's massive, but he's actually good, whereas Harry Maguire. That's yeah, like that's, another, that's another the small difference. Yeah, um, but I guess again, obviously, we're here to pretty much talk about Byron, so we'll stick on that. And I kind of want to—it's not not so much a game; it's more of a, a kind of a questionnaire. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to fire pairs of names at you, um, Byron players, past and present, and I just want one of their names from you. It's kind of a preference, essentially. So I'm going to probably put you in a bit of a tight position with a few of these because. Okay. Like, like who, who I prefer or, or who I think is is better. I will keep it personal to you, a preference. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so first up is Closer or Mario Gomez? Closer. Okay. Lucio, close. Lucio or Boateng? Oh. Oh no. <laughs> uh, but oh, oh, it's not no. going to get any easier. Boateng. Boateng. Okay. Boateng. <laughs> um, Zay Roberto or Xavi Alonso? Say Roberto. Okay, you actually brought both of these next two up earlier on, so I'm I'm curious to know Mehmet Scholl or ba- or Balak. Scholl. Okay. 
Khan or Neuer? Oh, I hate this game. <laughs> I hate this game so much. Uh, Neuer. Uh, David Alaba or Joshua Kimmich? Kimmich. Uh, Thomas Müller or Bastian Schweinsteiger? Müller. Lewandowski. This is this is quite a mean one. Uh, Lewandowski or Philip Lahm? Lahm. Okay. And then yeah. this last one, I think, is, yeah, a bit of an obvious one, but it's Robin or Ribéry? Oh, no. Oh, this I is say that's obvious. Is I it? mean, it's it's obvious in the sense of like that's probably the one everyone wants to know the answer to. Yeah, this is this is ridiculous. I hate I hate this podcast. This is horrible. <laughs> oh man, Rob, Rob, they're both. Oh, they're both so lovely. Well, they're they're not. I think if you're not a Bayern <laughs> fan, you hate both of them. Um, oh, Ribery, because if it wasn't for him, Robin wouldn't be there. All right. Well, there you have it. I hope we haven't gotten you into too much hot water with. Is, yeah, I wasn't expecting an existential crisis. I missed <laughs> when we were just talking about mints. It was simpler times. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, Bayern have so many good players. Thinking back to it, but um, away from the players and a bit of quick chat about the manager Hansi Flick, who um, yes. I think maybe not from a Bayern fan's perspective, but he seemingly. I guess from my perspective, came a bit out of nowhere after obviously Kovac um, got sacked, and he's well, he's just been fantastic, and you've yeah, Bayern have just been the best team in Europe ever since he's been in charge. So what I'm keen to know from you, Tim, is how talented is Hansi Flick as a manager, and do you see this guy as your long-term manager? It's so. Uh... Okay, the the context around Hansi Flick was he he was a man he was the manager of Hoffenheim a good few years ago I think like back in two thousand and nine maybe like quite a long time ago and then he started working for the DFB uh, in the for the Germany the Germany national team as the assistant to uh, Rakim Love probably not pronouncing that right I don't really respect the guy so I kind of don't really mind butchering his name all that much. But Hansi, Hansi Flick is like very quickly was seen as the guy that was responsible for kind of like all of the successes that Germany had. So I don't know if you can see behind me. This is a actually a, a metallic uh, sign um, of the Goetze goal against Argentina. It was the best Christmas present I've ever had. It's so wonderful. Um, but all, all of the discussion of like, oh, Yogi Love, he was responsible for of like telling Goetze to like go out there and show the world you're better than Messi didn't really work out long term but in that moment it did everybody kind of looks at that and be like oh what a manager but then there was just that guy just to the side that was probably saying hey you should go and tell Mario Goetze to go out there and show the world he's better than Messi like he was kind of the guy that was behind it and as soon as he was then he then left the DFB that like the whole team just looks stagnant and kind of clueless and just not really at all interested and that's kind of what happened with uh like under Niko Kovac so I was I was actually quite a big fan of Niko Kovac I don't think it was perfect but I loads of people turned that job down Thomas Tuchel turned the job down Klopp I think Arsene Wenger did Kovac was the guy that said I'll do it and yeah it was a ludicrous step up from from where he was and there but there were times where you could see there's clearly something here I think loads of people like to point at him and say oh he hasn't got any tactics like he's just it's negative football but then you just look at some of the like the really big results like against Spurs like we beat Dortmund beat Gladbach we beat all of these all of these teams that we had lost to earlier in the season there was clearly something there 
that he he must have been responsible for because if he wasn't doing anything he would have been sacked ages ago um but then in the in his second season um he approved the appointment of Hansi Flick as his assistant or like one of his assistants so Niko Kovac's brother Robert is always like second in command as he always was uh, like even when they were players but they uh, he brought in Hansi Flick and for the most part the football was kind of a it didn't really improve and he wasn't utilizing Muller and he was kind of like insistent on like playing like really, really, really deep. And obviously like it gets spoken about to death at this point, but Bayern have a traditional, a very high defensive line. Like if you've watched any Bayern game ever, the commentator will be talking about like, Oh, I wonder if they can exploit that Bayern defensive line. Like it, yeah, you can, it's very, you play on the counter and you just send it long. It's really not that hard, but there was just so many problems that were that were coming and the performances on the pitch weren't really weren't enough to to keep Kovac like there were a few good moments so obviously the Spurs game happened in Kovac's last so I keep bringing that up it's not a it's not a personal thing well, you can, you can bring it up as much as you want uh to okay it's all right yeah <laughs> um but there like there were a few like good moments but the kind of the overwhelming consensus in the Bayern fan base was it was just like it was the like hero ball was the phrase that kept on getting banded around of just like oh like it's just the players like it's their own individual quality not what Kovac is doing which like I guess you kind of need but at the same time he's get like it's it's very much like a chicken and egg situation when Kovac left a lot of people were thinking like like myself slightly less cynical fans were thinking okay but what happens when we lose at Dortmund because like it seemed to be that the players just weren't interested and they just didn't really want to perform. It's kind of similar to what happened to Carlo Ancelotti because there is like tremendous clout in the Bayern changing room with guys like Muller and, and Mats Hummels was one. He's, he's gone now. But there are, pe- there are people that if they don't want a manager, they can just really really which is, it's so frustrating because I adore Thomas Muller, but it's very frustrating to see that he clearly doesn't want this guy and I think like Lisa Muller Muller's wife uh, was like posting about it on Instagram just being like this clown doesn't know what he's doing I'm like this isn't a good look for the club at all Muller's such left an and... interesting one sorry to interrupt you but like if he wasn't a very if he strange wasn't character. footballer he'd just be this really annoying guy I think yeah <laughs> like if he, it's kind of a bit like Robin and Ribery if he wasn't a buy-in I would despise this guy like, who is this right, guy? He should right. be playing football. It's kind of it's similar to Lingard, I think, in that sense. It's just like if you didn't have a professional yeah, contract, yeah. you'd be, you, you'd be, well, Muller would probably be breeding horses because that's what he does generally. Oh, didn't know. But he, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a very, he's a strange character. He's happy. And as long as he's happy, I'm happy. Yeah. Um, but he, so Kovac, Kovac was sacked, and a lot of people were thinking, yeah, but we've got Dortmund at the weekend. What's going to happen there? And there was just this energy and an excitement and players were like moving faster and like they were, they were like pressing more, more intensely. It just seemed to be like this black cloud was just kind of, it went and the players seemed to be really, really excited, which is, it's a shame that it kind of took a manager being sacked for them to, to achieve that. So Kovac's like most defining moment, I'd say, um, was when he said that you can't go 200 miles an hour 
in a car that can only go 100 miles an hour. I think he did kilometers because it's a different country. But he, he said that in regards to the way that Liverpool play. And oh, no one was happy with that. But I looked at the players and I'm like, these guys don't want to go that fast. They can do, but they don't want to. And now it shows that like the way that Flick has got them playing with this energy and this intensity and this this hunger and this aggression. I'm like, where was this earlier? Like it's it's a shame. Like I'm I'm delighted that it's worked out the way that it has, but as a guy that wanted Kovac to succeed, if these guys could go faster and they could press more intensely and they could make these passes and they could, you know, make the tackles, why weren't they? Like it just didn't seem it just didn't seem right this it almost seems like a self-sabotage in order not, to get this guy. Sorry again to interrupt. I'm not, I'm no, not no. suggesting that Kovac would ever rule with like an iron fist or like, you know, maybe like fear monger. But <laughs> at, the very le- at the very least, like it, it, if there's somebody who that would, you'd think would work from, it's him. He's such a scary looking guy, such a like stoic and like, yeah, um, yeah he, he's got he's a presence of it. Surprising, surprising that the players didn't. Yeah, look he, he's like a him. very intense guy. Pedigree as a footballer as well. Yeah, exactly. He was a great player. I, um, but yeah, I guess Flick obviously. Flick is even more intense. A, like he's he's a yeah, like. Yeah. There's that very famous screenshot of like 88 minutes in the Barcelona game. It's eight two, and he is just sat on the bench, just looking really unimpressed. And you're like, that's pretty cool. Like this is this is a guy that can see ways to improve this. Like only eight? How dare you? Right. Um, but yeah, right. No, I, I completely agree with with what you said about how you'd want you'd kind of expect Kovac to be able to to do something like that. Like I guess like fearmonger, kind of in the same way that somebody like Simeone can do it. Like Kovac yeah. isn't he's not like a really big imposing guy. I think he's like five ten, five nine, five ten, quite slim, but there was just something about when I when I used to see him play, I can remember seeing him on the pitch, just thinking, this is a guy that would fight anybody if he had to. And you, I really want that in a manager. And I guess like Flick does have that. But yeah, I think like that's kind of what I thought Kovac was going to bring. Somebody that was going to show up and just scare people and like really intimidate yeah. and say, if you're not with me, I'll happily bench you. Yeah, Which I guess well, is what he did with well, Muller, but whatever. Yeah, well, I mean, it's all looking. If, I mean, if, if Flick can keep this level of success up, he's going to be your your best manager of all time. So it's going to be it's going to be an interesting one to follow um, the Flick era um, at Bayern Munich. Um, mm. But that brings us to the end of our Bayern Munich chat. We do have a final game to play, and at the time of recording, we are nearly well. We're over twenty four hours on from finding out that. Joe Biden will be the 46th president of the United States. Um, But don't worry, we're not going to go all political on you. Well, not on any serious sort of level anyway. So we've got a new game for you today called Politigol. It's a terrible name. Fantastic. Yeah, I had to try and think of something quickly. But um, the rules are simple. I'm going to read out a few statements about footballers that have ventured into the world of politics um, but I will say blank for the for the mystery player. So it will be up to Tim and Kaitel to work out who I'm talking about. An example of this would be blank was elected the president of Liberia in 2017. Uh, Christopher Ray. Yeah. Um, well, um, what's he called? Um, no, um, George Ray. George Ray. Chris Ray um, sang "Driving Home for Christmas." <laughs> that's, my, that's, that's just my Arsenal cap on, I guess. I just, yeah. <laughs> I just projected Christopher Ray into the presidency. Yeah. But you never know, Kai. Maybe he's got 
political ambitions too. We don't know. Um, but yeah, that, yeah, anyway, that's kind of an example. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, obviously ask, um, I can maybe provide some clues or ask questions. But um, the first one is blank was elected to the Chamber of Deputies in Brazil in 2010. He became, a, he became a senator in 2014, and in 2018, he ran for the governor's post in the state of Rio de Janeiro, finishing in fourth place. Who is blank? I'm going to... I'll go first, I guess, and I'm just going to go for... Oh, I was going to say Zeke, uh, Romario. Kai, you, you, you're spot on. <laughs> Ooh, was, okay. It, it was it was, um, it was Romario. I had, I had no idea, but, um, yeah, Romario um, was... Um, yeah, he... He was elected into the Chamber of Deputies of yeah. Brazil in 2010. Um, yeah, it's not like in Brazil you just have to like be good at football or have a lot of money to achieve that or anything. So he's clearly got some great political uh, platform, I suppose. Funnily, um, funnily enough, when I was looking at this one, that um, the, the striker Bebeto, who was famous for that baby celebration, and also I think Zico potentially as well, also entered into politics. So, oh, um, Zico was going to be my other answer. Yeah, I know. So when you said, I was like, you've, you've managed to get like the two people who like, <laughs> I know for a fact were Brazilian footballers. Who, um, but there we go. So yeah, let's see. Let's see if you can um, keep things up at this rate. I think for this next one, I won't say um, the country first, just to make it a little bit harder. Um, but here we go. In the, um, in the 2003 federal election, Blank was elected into the Senate in his home country, representing the French-speaking Liberal Party, the reformist movement. Wow. In 2003? Was, let me ask, was he retired? Um, a good question, Kaitel, and I have the answer for you on that. Um, it is actually the same year he retired from football. Okay. I was going to guess Cantona. He retired years before that, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. No, no it's not. It's not Eric. Um, For some reason, it made it to me sound like it would have been potentially like a North African or like a West African. No, okay. No, it's think a bit. It's not France, but it's a country. Canada. Yeah. No, much closer to France, like a neighbouring country of France. Switzerland. No. Is it, <laughs> is, it is he going to be a Basque player? No, you know what. I think I'll give you the country, um, just say, because otherwise, I mean, it's, it's Belgium. It's in Belgium. 2003. Yeah. Um, gosh. All I can think of is Daniel Van Boyten. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I wish. I think he might have been playing for Man City at the time. Uh, um, but, um, okay. I'll, so he... he oh, okay, I'll tell you this. I don't know if this will help, but... He actually finished his career at Schalke. Oh, Ebby uh, Sand? No. Mark Wilmot? Or is that, was that someone who... Kaitel, you've just got it again. It was Mark Wilmot. Okay. Was he, I can, honestly, was he... No, he wasn't the manager at any point. Of, but did he go on to manage them? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Mark Wilmot. <laughs> he, he was apparently in 20... No, 2003, the same year, allegedly, he... It was in this federal election. He was the interim coach at Schalke. So oh. 2003 was a very pivotal year, apparently. To um, he was getting stuff well. done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah you're, you're good at this guy. Your your political football knowledge is um is spot on. Um, Mine's atrocious. As soon when you gave George Weyer as an example, I was like, I'm out. Like that's the only footballer I need that went in. <laughs> well, let's see. Let's see if you could. There's there's a few more left. We'll see if you could get one of these final ones. So the third one, blank won a seat 
on a Russian regional council in 2008, standing as the sixth listed candidate for Vladimir Putin's United Russia Party. Does he have an Arsenal connection? No. You don't. Oh, that was, yeah, I was... Yeah, um, yeah okay. that's kind of it. That's it. But funnily oh, enough, though, um, if you're talking about Mr. Andre Arshavin, I think he he's had a little dalliance in politics. So. As well. Yeah, that was my yeah. thought. Okay. Yeah, not not Andre on this occasion. Famous Russian players before because 2008 is Arshavin was still playing, so I'm assuming mm. this guy maybe is a little older. Who knows? Hmm. Um, is he? Is he? Is he now? Is he? Is he? Uh, <laughs> Igor Akinfeev? <laughs> no, I reckon though he's got a great career in politics awaiting him, given he's been at CSK forever. Um, no, no, it's not him. But in fairness, it's kind of his generation of Russian players. I okay. Say. Did this guy play mostly in Russia, or did he get somewhere mm. else in Europe? And he certainly played many years in Russia, but he's played elsewhere too. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. And uh, Alexander Kurzhakov. Oh no, not not Alexander, but um, along the right lines of the position. A forward. Oh, now I'm Roman Pavlyuchenko. He's got three, Kaitel. Yeah, apparently one of my one of my favourite strikers when I was younger, Roman Pavlyuchenko. Back in the same year, he did really well at two thousand. What well, Euro two thousand and eight? Apparently, he's yes stood in an election for. Vladimir Putin's United Russia Party. Very random fact, but also around the same time Arshavin did. So I don't know if there was some sort of propaganda going on there. They wanted famous Russian footballers to be standing in local elections. But yeah, that, that allegedly happened. Um, <laughs> but I have got, I've got one more for you. So here we go. And this one's worth five points. So if Tim gets it. Yeah, Tim, Tim, Tim wins. Tell you, I'm not confident. <laughs> Okay, here we go. In 2007, President Sarkozy offered Blank a role as Minister of Diversity. However, he declined. All right. Thierry Henry? No, I mean, yeah, obviously you've you've worked out Sarkozy was, of course, the President of France, but no, not Thierry Henry. Is it a defender? It is. I was going to say, I'll let you have free. I've got someone in my mind now, but I'll let you go if you have somebody. Is it is it somebody that's considered like one of the best defenders of like the recent generation? I mean, he was considered to be a very good defender. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Would it be? Yeah, he was. He was very good. Did he play for Chelsea. He did not. No. Oh, I was going to say, Des- to give Tim a, to give Tim a helping hand on this one, he is, or at least someone close to him is linked to. German football. I know who it is. Yeah. Yes. I'll let is it is it Lillian Thuram? Oh, there we go, Tim. Oh, uh, I'm a yeah. political genius. Yeah. So um, it turns out, um, yeah, Kaitel I think got it as well. But no, we, you know, you got it too, Tim. But um, yeah, Lillian Thuram. I didn't know this has apparently been a big political activist. Um, in sort of alongside his football career and beyond. So yeah, um, I think that really brings us to the end of our our political people but yeah it seems there's quite a lot of people in football that are connected to politics and no doubt going forward there's going to be plenty more of those too who's nothing else going on might as well exactly who's who's next obviously rashford's the most recent and the most publicized who do we think is next i mean i reckon 
I reckon Marcus Rashford, you never know. I mean, Hector Bellerin, maybe more fashion is his calling, but he's quite vocal with this stuff. And then maybe slightly less big name, but someone that's actually been on our podcast, David Wheeler of Wickham Wanderers. He's, he's one to watch um, for the political arena of footballers as well. Mehmet Scholl of all, pe- of all people as well. He, I think he was very vocal against the Green Party in Germany. Um, I went when he was younger. I think a lot of I don't know anything about this other than he would he just hated the Green Party for some reason. Hmm. That's kind of like I don't know if that's like a soiree into politics rather than him just saying not a fan of this. But that's kind of that's it. That's this is a this is completely ridiculous and redundant story. But it's just nice to be involved. It's great yeah. to be here. I'm so happy. I think uh, <laughs> I'm wondering if Mehmet Scholl's agent was just like just make a splash like just you know like let the people in the world of politics like it doesn't matter if you know the name out or if you or if you actually believe in this just say something and he i guess he targeted the green party but um that does bring us pretty much yeah to the end of end of today's episode um thanks to my co-host joe and a special thanks to to tim richards uh tim it's it's great to yeah have you on the other end of this call finally i know like you'd mentioned before that we've been kind of having a bit of back and forth since we started this podcast. So it's, it's really good to come full circle and have you as a guest eventually. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, no, I had a great time. Thank you so much for having me. And um, I, I've, as I said, I've listened to the podcast for, for a while and it's great to see that you guys are doing so well. I'm um, sorry to say that this is probably where it starts to go downhill now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Now that you've set, set us up for, um, for our demise, but um, otherwise, uh, uh, Tim, how can our listeners follow you? I know we've been talking about some of your ventures with the the podcast and um, the Byron tweets, as well as your own blog. Um, yeah, what are the what are the handles for those? What are the websites? Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm all over the place. Uh, so my regular Twitter, which I wouldn't recommend following, is uh, Timothy Mr. Um, my other Twitter is IAF this time, and as um, as you guys have said, I'm also on the Super Byron podcast. That's available everywhere um and also at twitter.com slash bavarian tweets um yeah just have have a look so google me i'm about <laughs> there you heard it um but yeah thanks again tim um thank you yeah anytime it's been a pleasure to uh, our listeners if you enjoyed that please follow us on instagram and twitter where we are at united mates fp and then for our youtube channel and facebook too just search for united mates football podcast Until next time, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Goodbye.